Welcome to episode eight of the Grow Podcast. My name is John King. I'm your host to the agronomy segment of our podcast. Today, joining me on the podcast, we have Dan Bjorklund, our Grow Agronomy and Precision Lead within the Grow Solutions Center here at Landis. We have Don Van Howling, owner of Van Wall Equipment, the leading John Deere dealer here in Central Iowa, and Scott Ehrenholtz and Dave Schwartz from Verdesian Life Sciences. This week, we are going to update everyone on what is happening in the industry from fertilizer and chemical supply. We will then, in addition, transition to our, to our main segment with Don regarding John Deere equipment supply, new products coming to market, and our take at Landis on our new John Deere equipment we have been using uh, supplied to us by Van Wall Equipment. Finally, we'll be finishing up with the product of the month from Verdesian Life Sciences called Takeoff LS. All right, moving to the State of the Union section of our podcast here this week. I got Dan Bjorklund joining me. Um, we're going to have a little bit of a conversation here around fertilizer update on what the market's doing. Uh, brief talk about chemicals, and then Dan's going to provide you some early op or early season observations he's seen uh, from traveling the countryside, and as well as some current events that he thinks that everybody needs to be thinking about here as we transition to the next thirty days of this growing season. You know, from last month, we really uh, took a deep dive into what overall the fertilizer markets look like. You know, when I look at it today. You know, there's there's definitely some opportunities here at side dress season um, on urea. Um, probably going to be some uh, opportunities on ammonia from overall price devaluation to give yourself a little bit of an opportunity to buy a better price. Uh, I wouldn't say that's going to be substantial, but you know, you're going to have some price spreads um, that are pretty differential, especially on urea. You know, when I look at the overall side dress market, I think UAN from an overall overall supply standpoint is not something that I think is really going to devalue much. I think you're going to have a very wide spread between urea and UAN to where urea is going to come out at a pretty major discount uh, on a per unit basis um, comparable to UAN. So, you know, for those that are listening that haven't locked in maybe Cydress UAN yet or Cydress ammonia, you know, maybe give a look at UAN to see what that price differential is. Uh, I think in a lot of instances treated urea even applied, you know, from us here at Landis is going to be a cheaper option versus going out and putting down Cydress UAN or Cydress ammonia um, today. You know, some of the reasons that we're seeing that is just overall globally, you know, you've just had some buyers kind of sit on the sidelines throughout these high, you know, high priced environments. You know, we've had a little bit more supply in place than what people thought. I would also say, you know, domestically, the reason we're seeing urea under some pressure is because we're not seeing that massive application happen in the Northern Plains. You know, for those that are keeping an eye on the weather, the Northern Plains is way behind on planning. They've basically saturated all of April, you know, with snow and rain. Um, and now we're getting to where it's spring wheat time. You know, the drills aren't running yet. You got a May 15th deadline on preventive plant. You know, up, however, you do have a great wheat price. So some of those guys might take the chance, but you're just not seeing that huge demand on urea in the major urea consumption areas in the United States that is really pushing that price higher. So, I mean, I think that's an opportunity here today that, you know, everybody needs to be aware of. And, and again, feel free to call into either your local account lead um, to kind of validate those prices as we get to that point of application. But you know, to say that we won't see a pop here in the next 30 days on a urea price due to in-season, you know, movement to that product, I think that could happen. But, you know, overall today, pretty fair price compared to what we were. You know, you, you know, you look back 60, 70 days ago, you had a urea over $1,000 and now we're, you know, $200 off of that. So um, that's definitely an opportunity. Uh, potash, you know, still is hanging in there in the higher levels. 
There's been no su uh, summer fill values out yet from domestic suppliers. Uh, I will say this, the Brazilian prices have kind of come under pressure a little bit. You know, as we as the conflict took off, we saw um, potash prices kind of reaching the all-time high of $1,200 met CFR delivered to Brazil. They've come off probably $100 a ton since then, primarily, again, due to affordability issues. But, you know, again, it's all about how much that can really drop with the lack of supply that can actually physically get out of Russia and Belarus. Um, the biggest thing I want to stress about potash Belarus basically produces 12 million metric tons. Russia produces 12 million metric tons. The biggest issue with getting potash out of those two countries today is there's a lack of load ports to load them on vessels. In the past, they had really relied heavily on EU nations to load that stuff onto a vessel. So today, they do not have access to those ports. That's the major issue, you know, where they do have ports that they can get out into the market on, they most likely will find a way to get some of that into the market. But it's still going to be a drastic cut to world supply. So just think about that. Phosphates, again, kind of coinciding with urea. Um, looking back 30 days ago on phosphates, we probably had higher price. We're a little bit higher prices than we are today. Again, I think that's just pure lack of demand that we're seeing in the Northern Plains. Again, a big drill market up there, the urea, the phosphates, it all goes on one time while you're planting the seed. If you're not planting, you know, you're not using the stuff. So, you know, I think from some of the domestic suppliers are looking at, at that a little bit as a, a red flag for them. And when they're, you know, for their resupply this summer, there may not be as many homes up there. So you've seen some temporary downside in phosphates. Again, I look at that as a as a pure opportunity from the grower standpoint to kind of see some price devaluation. I mean, again, the prices are still high. It's not like they're going back to what we saw last fall, but, you know, they're not as bad as what they were maybe 30 to 45 days ago. You know, when I look at it from a recommendation standpoint, you know, potash is still a good investment to buy today. You know, we again, you always see the the yield advantage to applying potash. I would probably give myself some time on the phosphates, but it may be 30 to 60 days is all you have on the phosphates before that market really finds a home, a bottoms out and then is, a, you know, really a buy. Transitioning to the chemical markets, you know, I feel, you know, Dan, I feel a little bit relieved. We're kind of getting through pre-plant. We've got there. I feel like we've survived that one a little bit, but now we got to get to post and that's even more exciting than even maybe some of the pre-plant products were. So, you know, I, I, I think that market remains fluid. You know, I had a call today, um, the total core, you know, that specific AI is up 20% here today. All the manufacturers took that product up due to the fact that there's just short supply. So you look at it, you know, planning wasn't exactly easy to get in on time. So, What's the first thing a grower does when you can't get planted? You start calling around and trying to find the next thing that gives you some residual value to come in and post apply. So, you know, we're seeing a huge rush across the industry for metolachlor. So, you know, I think those are all issues. I would say anything that has a chlor at the end, metallochlor, carbotolachlor, esmetolachlor, acetochlor, those are, that's going to be an AI that's going to be very, very tight as we transition to next year. Um, you know, most major, major manufacturers will be coming out in the next 30 days with a lot of their um, summer fill for next year. And I fully expect the acetochlor is going to be one of those things that, you know, here in central Iowa, we use a ton of acetochlor, right? That's a primary pre-program that guys want to run. That is one to me that is going to be very tight as we transition to next year. So working with your local retailer on who's got that supply, that product, verifying the supply and then working to make sure you have it for next year is going to be a big part. The other thing that's a huge watch out for me on the, on the 
chemical markets is the lockdowns in China right now. You know, that's what led to the issue that we're in right, you know, currently in the market with lack of supply chain coming from China. We've seen a huge lockdown in China, almost worse than when the first when the part of the first part of the pandemic started. Um, so I, I fully expect we, we have another year of the situation we're in. I think glyphosate, glufosinate gets a little bit better. Uh, but we are going to have, I mean, again, you need plastic. The plastic sector is not running like it should over there. So you need jugs, you need totes. I mean, all those things are going to continue to be a huge issue. So, uh, Dan, kind of tra- transition over to what you're seeing. What's some early season observations and current events that you think, you know, these guys need to be thinking about as they're transitioning from, all right, I got the corn, I got the beans in the ground. What do I, what's the next thing I need to be thinking about? Well, one thing, John, is that they want to make sure that the fields stay clean. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the fields that I've looked at, uh, the programs that work great. I mean, you mentioned the acetochlorus and all of these uh, products that need a little bit of rain activation. We had just the right amount. It was just like the Goldilocks principle, yep. just just enough uh, to make that work. So excellent looking fields uh, uh, cleaned to this point, which is what we want uh, as we head you know, later on into the post-emergence um, uh, programs. The other thing that I noticed, it seemed like April, went on eight, it like took eight weeks to get through April because it was so cold. But when we finally got going and got uh, planting and then we had those warm temperatures, corn, a lot of this corn popped out of the ground in six or seven days. And having it come out of the ground that quickly at the same time caused us not to have these big differences in leaf color. You get even stands, you get better yields at the end of the season. What you don't want is the delayed emergence and you've got some things that V3 and, and some and some plants at V1. Most of the corn that I've looked at has uh, has been at uh, V1 and stands overall look good and even. And even the even the earliest stuff planted from what you've seen has been come up and emerged and is pretty even. Um, stand counts look well from what you're seeing too. You know anything planted prior to when it got cold. Yes, you know we always are concerned uh, when you have cold conditions and possible cold rains coming in because you don't want that first drink to be, or water to be really cold. And so we get concerned about that. And I don't want to be a Monday morning quarterback uh, on this thing, but uh, we probably would have been all right. The individuals that did go on plant uh, and we had some of that, that cold weather, those fields look very, very good. Mm-hmm. You just never know. Yeah. Uh, farming is just something uh, every year you, you just don't know. You, you take the few principles in agronomy that you have and, and, and you do your best at diagnosing which way to go. And sometimes, you know, uh, it works better than others. But uh, this year, uh, it would have been uh, no problem because generally speaking, all the fields I've looked at have looked good. And I've looked at quite a few so far. Nice. What... Um you know, as we transition to this next section of the growing season, you know, I know you and I have talked about some things, you know, for anybody listening, what should be the one thing that's kind of lining up that you think everybody needs to pay attention to? I do have a concern um, because of the little later planting that um, that we had this year, that corn uh, is going to be, it's going to be a little longer uh, to get us to V5 with five uh, uh, collars exposed. And the key part about that is that is the stage when uh, a corn, black uh, cutworm uh, larvae can't really do much damage to us anymore. And the reason I mention, even mention black cutworm because it's one of those insect pests that is not a problem every year, but when it is a problem, 
it can be very significant. And we're coming up in a, you know, in a few days to Memorial Day weekend when you know, everybody is out and, and, and doing things. And I remember uh, a particular weekend uh, earlier in my career where that Friday everybody went you know, to the lakes, El Kaboji or Big Creek or someplace, came back after Memorial Day and uh, Stanford reduced 10,000. Now I'm not saying, John, that that's going to happen this year, but the fl the, the moth flights uh, and the traps that have been put up by uh, Iowa State and individuals that are looking at determining how many moths are coming into the state, and they blow in from the south. We had all those 90-degree days and those yep. strong winds. It's been just a really, really uh, uh, strong season. Uh, it seems like every year is like that. But uh, the moth flights are very significant throughout Iowa. Uh, Central Iowa uh, significantly increased and you know we have a lot of farmers we work with uh, in this area so the key is going to be man before you take off and not this weekend but next weekend uh, make sure you have your your Landis uh, account lead or account manager uh, or John himself going yeah. out there and doing some scouting for you because you don't want to wait within three or four days. Um, that one year that I'm talking about, we lost a significant uh, stand. And, and we have some good rescue treatments, some, some, some chemistries that we can use uh, if we need uh, to take care of that. So this probably has been the most significant um, moth flight and, and uh, capturing in the traps than maybe than I've seen in 10 years. Wow. Uh, so we got a, that is a, a, a big one. Hopefully that'll be the only thing we worry about this year. But there's always something, you know, there's always, um, you know, some leaf disease or something that comes in. And I always like to say the key is scouting. Yep. We got to scout. Uh, you either got to scout yourself or have someone that you trust that'll do that for you. No, I think it's a great call out. And, you know, it's, it's maybe a non-typical thing to keep an eye on, but, you know, the data is kind of showing up and... I think it's a great thing to raise some awareness to everybody to, hey, you know, like you said, if you got big plans for Memorial Day weekend, maybe check a little bit ahead of time before you leave to make, verify that that's not the issue. And, you know, I think we'll make sure we're, we're diligent on um, definitely keeping everybody informed on what we're seeing. So, as always, Dan, appreciate you helping me out here on you this bet. segment and of uh, the State of the Union on the agronomy business here at Landis. And uh, we're going to kind of transition here to our next segment. All right, transitioning to our main segment here on the Grow Podcast, I've got Don Van Howling from Van Wall Equipment joining me. Don, thank you for joining me. I, you know, I definitely feel privileged to have you on the podcast this month. You know, just just really looking forward to what we have on this segment. Give us a little bit of a background here on on the the business at Van Wall and kind of give the listeners a scope of what you guys are doing. Well, I had the opportunity to uh, when I graduated from Iowa State to uh, work for John Deere uh, for almost ten years, and then. As I was working for them, I determined that I'd really like to be a John Deere dealer. And they hooked me up with uh, Barney Wall, who was the John Deere dealer in Woodward at that time. And Barney Wall brought me in as a junior partner because he had a couple of daughters that weren't interested in the business, nor were their husbands. And so I got the opportunity to come in as a junior partner and he helped finance me and get me started. And I just took that opportunity and my knowledge of uh, John Deere and my Iowa State University education and just went to work. <laughs> yep. And I guess uh, the, rest the rest is history is, from there. It was just, you just go to work. 
So it's turned into, I think on the website, it says 600 employees and 32 stores since then. Yes. So that's quite the story. Right. It, uh, it's really been a, a wonderful blessing. You know, you don't get here without a lot of supporting people, a lot of wonderful people around you. You have, you know, good health. Uh, but I, I really feel like uh, that I've been blessed by the Lord to have this opportunity. Well, it's uh, it's certainly a great service that you provide in Central Iowa here for quite a while. And, you know, I definitely know with our transition to dealing a lot of business with John Deere and yourself now, it's uh, it's it's pretty amazing, you know, what it's like to, to kind of get to have the Van Wall experience. So we definitely appreciate it. So, you know, kind of moving on, you know, I, the biggest reason I wanted to bring you in today is to kind of talk about, you know, as a farmer in this kind of, you know, you got high fertilizer prices, we got high, high land prices. You know, equipment's kind of the next one that's chipping up. So, you know, from your point of view, I was kind of looking forward to having you on here today to talk for the listeners, especially with, you know, just the sheer market share that John Deere has in, you know, the central Iowa territory. You know, what should those guys be thinking about? You know, we're kind of transitioning out of planting. Guys are going to get into summer. They're going to think about, I need this tractor to trade or I might need a new combine. At, you know, from my side on, on the land side of running the agronomy business, I know what the situation is on ordering tractors, ordering sprayers, floaters, you know, what we're having to do and the conversations we're having your, with your team on looking farther out to make sure that we have supply of that equipment. You know, what should, if I'm a grower today in central Iowa, you know, if I'm walking through Van Wall's doors, what should I be thinking about? Ask, what kind of questions should I be asking? So uh, the way we uh, communicate with our producers typically is we have what we call territory managers. We have about 50 of those that go out and their job is to talk to the growers and ask them this question. If you're going to improve your operation, what would be the most important change you think you need to make here in the next 12 months? And we're asking them that question because whether it be new or pre-owned, we need to plan a year ahead now right. in terms of what we want to do to change our operation uh, for this fall and next spring and next year. And so it is now about really planning ahead more so than it used to be because we simply can't supply the demand that's out there right now. You know, as farmers are profitable and have positive cash flow, there's one thing they love to do, and that's improve their equipment capabilities. And so we're seeing that. And so we're on an allocation with John Deere as to how many they can produce. And that allocation isn't doesn't match the demand. Mm -hmm. And so um, we're saying there's a lot of good pre-owned equipment that's coming in too. And we might be able to upgrade you with that second buyer right. opportunity. So it is about planning and having those communications and making sure with the increased cost of equipment that we're making the right investment. Mm. You know, I... I talk to my growers about don't make an investment that's not going to improve your margin. Let's make sure that when you make that investment, there's a return on that investment for you. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we're talking about. Well, and I think it kind of leads into the standpoint of where John Deere is going to from the, you know, constantly improving the, the product to bring into market, right? From the efficiency standpoint, um, the technology that they're putting in these machines. So, you know, as you see these guys walking through the door too, what's the first thing that they, from a technology standpoint that really sticks out to them? Well, the machines that we're uh, making available now have the ability to talk to the John Deere Operations Center and tell the grower exactly what happened and what is happening and what the impact of that machine is on their field, on their yields. Um, so, 
In addition to that, the new machines that are coming out have AI built into them. Mm. So as an example, our combine is looking at the corn that's coming off of the cob as it's being combined and saying, are we getting maximum recovery on that threshing uh, oh, wow. situation? So that there's five cameras that are talking to a processor and the software to say, okay, you need to change the gap on your concave or you need to increase your cylinder speed or you need to slow down, whatever. And so... The machines have the ability to make decisions on their own and they have the ability to talk to the operation center and drop the data in there in such a way that um, in December of this year, we're going to be able to talk to our growers about what happened from the time that they put that tillage tool in the field to the time that they put the tillage tool in the field. Yeah. And so even our tillage fields, we're putting prescriptions, our tillage machines, we're putting a prescription on those that matches the soil type. Really? So it's everything. The key is to get the whole cycle from the tillage to the tillage and not just a part of it or else you can't really make the decisions you need to make because you can't see all the pieces. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're, we're looking for. And so we're asking that customer, what will this machine do or what, will, what is your goal? And the thing that we found out is different customers have different goals and different timetables and you just have to listen. And then try to uh, be, I tell my territory managers, don't be salesmen, be consultants. Yep. Be those people that are going to help that producer be more successful next year. Yep. Find solutions to their problems. Yes. Yeah. I think, you know, and I think of, you know, when I look at, you know, the interactions we've had, you know, between our two companies and, and the solutions you guys have brought to us. You know, when I look at John Deere with what they're doing, again, I think you said it here when you're sitting here talking, 67% of the acres in Iowa are planted with the John Deere planter. So when I think of that, the first thing I think of is RTK and AutoPath, right? How do I make my guys that are going to go out there and spray or spread or do something of that in, in our growers field more efficient so that, that, that then our customers having a better experience with the service that we provided them? Because, you know, price is always an emotional thing on any anybody that's a buyer of anything, right? But there's also a service component to me. So, you know, I look at the ability, you know, I think you can correct me if I'm wrong here, you gotta have a globe on the planter and you gotta have a globe on the tractor. But if you have those two matched and I come out to spray your field post, um, I've created now, an, I think it's an auto path scenario where um, my guy, my operator in the machine is basically 100% AI driven because he's able to he's able to have that to manage that planter drift in the field because right. you have that automatic rolling um, that's been created. So, you know, I think about where technology is going and how the ag retailer, the farmer and the equipment provider can be aligned on that. We can create a very efficient scenario for um, our customers in, in, in tandem. Your decision to start utilizing that technology and that equipment is going to have a very positive effect on your growers yep. because you're going to be able to do precision ag from start to finish. Well, I think about it too from an employee standpoint, right? You know, we've, you know, applicators in the agronomy business are a tough thing to find today. So the more technology we have to then provide them a better experience, um, a less stressed environment when they're in that machine, you know, that's a win for the farmer. That's a win for us. Um, you know, that's a positive customer experience. I always give, uh, when talking to our, our teams, I always think about, you know, why do people buy something from Amazon? Because expectations in reality are met, right? That's right. a positive customer experience. So there comes a point where you're reordering. And I think John Deere has been, and Van Wall have been very much so that same way. Expectations in reality are met oftentimes. 
Well, I share with uh, a number of people, there's only four reasons, and this will, might surprise you, there's really only four reasons that a business owner buys something. Makes his life easier, yep. it reduces his risk, makes him more competitive, and it makes him more profitable. Now, if he's focused on any number of those four things, it may be all four, maybe two of the four, but I say when you can provide all four, you've got a home run. Yep. And that's what we're trying to do, and that's what I know Landis is trying to do. Yep. No, I, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, it's it's been fun from my side, you know, and again, I don't come from a background that's really – I come from a retail background, but not so much really in, in, dived into this, the, the machine part of it. But, um, you know, the new technology, I look at the new floater that John Deere's come forward with and just the massive amount of efficiencies that are driven from that machine alone – when it comes to a custom application scenario, if we're able to spread, you know, and you think about where agriculture is going, right? There's less ammonia used today than there was 15 years ago. More guys are transitioning to high rate liquid as their, as their nitrogen source. You know, John Deere basically come forward with the most perfect solution for that right. to where I can go out and spray 50 gallon an acre at 20 mile an hour. I don't lose one bit of efficiency by having a machine like that. And I can also, you know, and from a grower standpoint, you, you also have all that data that now is provided in the op center for you to, you know, have that and store that. Um, I also think about it, you know, we're looking at some of these uh, gators that have the RTK boundaries. So, you know, even if I am only maybe the provider as Landis of their dry fertilizer, but they're gonna go out and spray with a John Deere sprayer and I go get that RTK boundary, that's both, both beneficial for me and then when he gets ready to go spray his pre, he's got those RTK, RTK boundaries for his exact apply. I mean, it's just, it's really interesting. And I, and I definitely want your opinion a little bit more as we look at the op center on when you talk about data share across the platform, John Deere through the op center has really done a phenomenal job of one, empowering the retailer that we are to go out and get good data, but that is also coincide to help the growers operation as well. And from a data share standpoint, that is, you know, that's that's a powerful thing when I look at what I want to do as a retailer and, and then from a farmer standpoint. Well, you know, our partnership has was built around that concept mm -hmm. that we could data share and improve the margin of your customer mm -hmm. um, by improving the visibility that you have as to the work that's been done, improving the visibility of the farmer. And all of that data is stored in one place where you can work on it together as a team. The farmer still owns it, yep. and he has to tell you that you can use it. Yep. But if that partnership is put in place, that's powerful. Well, and I think that's the great part of the tools that John Deere's bringing, because I can go do a portion. I can go out and, and spray a field that then is saved in his op center that you know now the farmer has. That's his data from me applying it. But I don't have to go and work to get him that data. That's it's right. just automatic. And I think it's... You know, anywhere in agriculture, whether it's agriculture or business, the more things that you can do for the, you know, that is a, a natural thing, spraying somebody's field, spraying, spreading somebody's field, that then has a gateway to just more information automatically, that's a win for all parties involved. And I think, you know, the whole part of whether it's, you know, the kind of the next part of the segments about products, right? We're, we're going to talk about the product of the month here, you know, after you and I are done kind of visiting. And, you know, I think about how the John Deere Ops Center can be such a pivotal part of sharing that data from a yield standpoint, too. So now we've done this application or we've, we've tried or demoed a new product, you know, from, from a farmer standpoint of being able to overlay that 
and really look at it on how it improved his, uh, his overall profitability. And I like the point you said, tillage to tillage, right? There might have been a portion in there he changed his tillage portfolio too that had an effect on it. That's right. So it's looking at the whole stream of, of what that farmer's doing. And that's really the critical piece that's been missing is you've got to see the whole picture if you want to manage agronomy. And we, up to really just recently, we haven't been able to do that because we haven't been able to see the tillage piece in the spring, the tillage piece. And boy, they all can have an impact. Mm -hmm. Timing, depth, all speed, everything matters. Mm -hmm. And you can see what happened in terms of how that crop progressed through the whole year and understand, okay, what was that uh, soil like in the spring when you started as well? And so the fact that we can do that now and that, uh, so we call it fully engaged customer. And we point out to them how important that is. A lot of customers thought, well, if we got our planting data in there or our harvesting data in there, we've got what we need. You really don't. You just have pieces. You just have a snapshot. You don't have a video. Mm -hmm. And so we're asking our customers to consider being fully engaged, which means that they are going to drive their tillage in the spring into the operation center through the equipment that they've got because it can all do it. Yep. And so the John Deere equipment, the real value now is that it can drive data for the whole crop season into the operation center and give the customer that opportunity to make the right decisions for his next crop year. Well, it, again, it's, it's the same way that we've looked at John Deere as a supplier of our equipment from the retail standpoint, because we can go now, we have machine data on every single machine that we have in our fleet. We know the fuel consumption. We know the idle time. We know how much time that that guy's sitting there waiting to get filled for a sprayer and what the time is from when it starts loading to when it stops loading. We know if we're being too inefficient by driving too much on the road. I mean, there's all those data points, you know, and, and I always think about it, you know, you always hear about big data, big data. Yeah. You know, there's big data, but, you know, there's also just impact data. And those to me, what John Deere's focusing on, and from my side, again, as an ag retailer, it's impact data that impacts every variable of what you're trying to do as a farmer. And I think, you know, I just think it's a it's a it's a fun time in agriculture right now of all these, you know, you've got the autonomous tractor that everybody's yeah. looking at, right? Right. You got sea and spray coming. I mean, all these things that are, you know, again, next level type things of efficiency to get us to that next level. And, you know, it, it's it's really interesting on um, how everything's changed, even in five years. Yeah. And what's interesting, speed of change is accelerating. Yes. That's the thing that a lot of people just can't get. That rhythm is accelerating. Mm -hmm. And that's even hard for me to grasp. Yeah. That we're moving into new technologies faster than what we have already experienced. No, I, I agree. And I think, um, you know, when I look at what John Deere's done from their portfolio of all their different products, I mean, it's just... You know, it's it's been a fun evolution even in the last five years. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see what comes next. That's for sure. Don, any more that you really have? You know, I, I kind of think about it. You know, you've you've been here in Central Iowa for quite a while and created something that's pretty special here at Van Wall. You know, anything from your seat that, you know, you see as we come to fall that or even any new products that you see John Deere bringing to market, that's that one thing that you think the farmer of tomorrow really needs to be have his at least have his, his thumb on to be um, understanding what's coming, whether it's autonomous, whether it's sea and spray. What's what's the one thing that gets you excited? I think it's the ability now for our farmer to manage his whole cropping process that we did not have before. I think we've always tried to create answers 
with snapshots. Mm -hmm. And the fact that we no longer have to do that, trying to, with your people and with my people, advise them that we've got to look at the whole cropping season to make the right decisions and make the right investments going forward. The challenge is that the investments are expensive. Yes. And we can't afford to make the wrong ones because even in this market, you've got to be smart. Yep. And so I think all of us have to take responsibility for being consultants that drive decisions and changes that increase margin, mm -hmm. not yield, not cost, margin. Mm -hmm. And I think that's always the missing uh, word is margin. You, it, margin is what we're here for. And um, I have to run my business that way. The farmer has to run his business that way and get a return on his investment. That's um, going to allow him to win down the road. I also think it's very important that all of us stay very humble. There are no easy answers to this. Farming is, you know, not in today's environment. No, there's no. And so I challenge my people to be very humble and continue to listen and learn and try to make sure that the ideas that we're giving to our growers are good ones. Yep. No, I think it's, I mean, I look at it from my standpoint too, you know, we're looking to read, you know, whether it's the John Deere equipment, whether it's a new facility, what, I mean, in today's market where, you know, a stainless steel tank's double what it was six months ago, yeah. you know, that whole idea of margin what, and it doesn't relate to cost or how it doesn't equate, you know, kind of equate to yield. I mean, it's the same way today as, you know, you want to grow your business, you want to become more efficient. And I think the, again, the efficiency thing is the key thing. And I think that's where you're going to, where I see the margin, whether it's for Landis or maybe even for the farmer is how do you become more efficient with, how do you do more with less? And more doesn't always, like you said, mean more yield. Maybe for Landis, it doesn't mean more dollars. It's maybe it's how do you become more efficient with less labor? Well, you know, um, if you can spread your fixed costs over more acres, Yep. Uh, also the opportunity to grow and the opportunity to grow comes with having capital to invest. Yep. And so who's going to be the guy that buys the next farm and expands his business? It's going to be that guy that's been more profitable. Yep. And so we're also trying to say, okay, let's help you do that. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think it's a great way when you look at the op center, when you look at the John Deere equipment, the efficiency they're driving, whether it's us with how we're, you know, with all the technology that, you know, John Deere is bringing to us from our, op, you know, our applicators and the efficiency, you know, I think the thing that is, to me, the relative thing for the easy part to switch from whatever we were doing before now to John Deere on the application side is purely the efficiency part. Major efficiencies we can gain. And what I, uh, when Matt and I, Matt and I started having this conversation about this opportunity, it was so refreshing to hear Matt say, what can we do to provide a better opportunity for our growers? Yep. And I said, you and I are thinking alike, so we're going to do just fine here. Yep. And how many times I've had somebody come to me and say, how can we, that being Landis, be more profitable as opposed to how can we help our growers be more profitable? Right. And Matt and I believe that that's the secret sauce. Well, I think it's important, you know, you hear from, you know, you all the time, you know, and, and Matt says it all the time. We have to put the farmer at the center of everything we do. If we do that right, we're all going to be fine in, in the end because we're doing the right things. So.
Well, Don, I really appreciate you taking the time to spend some time with us. I love hearing your insights on, you know, what you see coming not only from your business and John Deere, but in the whole ag industry in general. You know, I think it's it's obviously worked very well for you over the past years with, with your expansion through here throughout central Iowa. And, you know, I, I can't uh, I can't demonstrate more how uh, appreciative I am of the partnership and what the technology you guys have brought to Landis and um, looking forward to having that fleet 100% green here as soon as possible. We're just getting started. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right, transitioning to our product of the month on Takeoff LS. I got a good group of guys here to kind of help me explain the benefits of this product. Um, I've got Scott Aaronholtz, technical agronomist with Berdesian Life Sciences. I have Dave Schwartz, Vice President of Strategic Retail here um, with us. And I have Dan Bjorklund, the Growth Solutions Center agronomist. You know, when I'm looking at Takeoff LS from the agronomy side, um, I think it's a great product that growers should definitely be aware of as we kind of transition from planting to post-application on corn and soybeans. A one pint rate, you know, today is revenue about six bucks an acre. You know, you're looking at 0.83 bushels on corn to pay for that and 0.41 bushels on beans to pay for that application. And I got these guys here to kind of explain why growers need to be thinking about that as we transition to post. So, guys, thanks for everybody showing up here today and being a part of this. And, uh, um, you know, Scott, you have uh, you're familiar with the company and the, and the territory for sure. Growing up here in Central Iowa, most of your, you know, your whole life and now at Verdesian, um, you know, seeing this stuff work, you know, what's some good uh, points that you could point out to growers listening about Takeoff LS? Yeah. Thank you, John. And, and uh, first and foremost, thank you, Landis, for having us today and, and, and allowing us to feature a product that, that can really help growers drive greater yields as we get into the season. So just to quick frame up the advantages of Takeoff, let's, uh, let's talk about nitrogen a little bit, John and Dan. So when we look at nitrogen, in, in, in a normal year, nitrogen could be the third largest cost product that's out there. The challenge is this, about 50% or less of that, just around 50% is probably underutilized by the crops because nitrogen is an elusive creature. There, 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 there's a lot of things that, 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 that affect it and make it so we don't take it up. There's nothing on the marketplace today until takeoff that helps the plant better utilize nitrogen. Well, I think it's important when you talk about that, the third most expensive uh, single input too. When you think about this today, there's guys that put down fall ammonia, okay? That was somewhere less than $100 an acre cost. Now we got guys that put down spring ammonia at $150 plus. So, you know, there's there's two ways I look at that from a farming standpoint. What, if I spend a lot of money on that ammonia, I wanna make sure my plant gets as much uptake of that as possible. If I got a really good position on my on my nitrogen position today, I really want that plant to work hard and get capture as much of that as possible because that just means even more bushels. So that's that, so kind of explain a little bit. And, and Dave, you've used it many times on your on your farms. You've trialed it out there a bunch of times. You know, how does that product from a technical standpoint really work? So uh, the, the technical aspect of it is this. So Takeoff LS is a nitrogen uptake catalyst. What does that mean? Takeoff LS is going to work inside the plant and it is going to help the plant be more efficient taking up nitrogen. When a plant's taking up nitrogen, it's taking up other nutrients too. So we're just not taking up nitrogen, we're taking up a package of nutrients. So the, the, the technical part of it is going to be uh, every plant is going to have a glutamate pathway. Okay, That glutamate pathway is how that plant manages carbon and once that carbon comes into the plant and metabolizes, 
It, it, it causes that plant to demand nitrogen. That whole process is driven by a proline. That proline is a 2-hydroxy, 5-oxy proline that is produced by the plant and really produces the energy to, to, to drive that cycle. Okay? When we apply takeoff LS into that, we are a similar compound to that 2-hydroxy, 5-oxy proline. We make that cycle work more efficiently and we make it work quicker. What does that mean? That means that we're accessing more carbon from carbon dioxide, bringing it in and metabolizing it. We're causing that plant to demand more nitrogen and, and other nutrients are coming in with it. Once that comes into the plant, we give it upstream energy to get it to the leaves. And then what happens when we get to leaves? We have photosynthesis. We start turning those nutrients into proteins, peptides, carbohydrates, amino acids. And what is that? That's going to be cell division, cell elongation. That, that, that's developing a, a, a bigger plant. So uh, in layman's terms, to, to really shorten up what I just said, what Takeoff LS is going to do for the plant is going to help build a bigger, stronger photosynthetic factory. A bigger, stronger photosynthetic factory is going to help overcome uh, challenges and, and uh, uh, stresses throughout the year, but it's also going to enable us to grow better yields at the end of the year. Well, I mean, when you think about it from a bean standpoint, you know, what's the main way to grow more beans, have more leaf area, more, more photosynthesis? I mean, so, I mean, everything, when we look at it from this year in a high yield environment, you got a high price environment. How do you create the biggest high yield environment for yourself? And Dave, you've used these products for years. I mean, what's your comments on, on overall? I mean, Takeoff LS has been a, a really good staple product for us. And we've seen great with some great results last year. You know, what's your kind of take on what growers should be thinking about, you know, being a grower yourself? Well, one thing that I, I'll tell you right from the beginning, you know, uh, we have nutrient-rich soils out here in central Iowa, and sometimes our plants get lazy mm -hmm. because they, they just don't uh, have the ability to go grab stuff because they're, they're laying in a pool of all right. these rich nutrients. My, my experience with Takeoff is it first came out on the marketplace. I had a soybean field that was uh, a little bit wet and uh, the roots weren't going down. It was looking lazy, it gets that off color. And uh, so I, I threw a shot of takeoff out there and it was uh, within 48 hours, I saw dramatic change. And uh, my neighbor told me, he goes, you'd be lucky if those beans make 40 bushel. I gave it another shot of takeoff later in the year at R2 and those beans made 68 bushel. And it turns that plant around, it kicks it, that just Scott um, so eloquently described, it kicks that plant in. This product was made at Los Alamos Labs down in New Mexico, the same uh, lab that created the atom bomb. They have 900 agricultural scientists in this lab, and they spent 25 years formulating this particular product, and we were very fortunate, Verdesian, to uh, be able to purchase this. Hmm. That's really cool. Dan, from your standpoint, you know, just in everything we're trying to do, you know, with your high yield club and, uh, here at Landis, I mean, how do you see this fitting across most acres here in central Iowa? Yeah, I would echo what Scott said about the plant factory uh, aspect to corn and uh, soybeans. What we grow here is that if you build a bigger plant factory, bigger root system, that's your assembly line to bring everything in. If you build that bigger factory, which uh, Takeoff helps to do that, you have much better possibility for higher yield, but also you have a better opportunity to mitigate stress. And John, I saw in 2020, we had just come off of two or three years where we had plenty of rain. Then in 2020, we didn't. 
and um, putting out a test plot and, and looking at something like takeoff and then even the plant growth regulators that you could put in combination with the takeoff. We had significant yield increase in, uh, in an area up by Algona because of the stress that we had that year. And what we did is we uh, had the farmer use the system that he used normally. And then we went in and part of that uh, field, um, we did this, did the additional treatments and a significant yield increase. So um, I, I'm a big believer uh, in, in these types of products to assist us. Yes, Scott. I, one, one, one add-on. So that this product should be applied with your post-merge herbicides, uh, both corn and soybeans. It can also be applied in alfalfa when you're spraying for, for bugs and things like that. The, the big question is going to be this. So if, if I'm riding along with a herbicide, am I going to be approved for some of the herbicides that are in soybeans today? We've got Extendamax, we've got Ingenia, we've got Enlist. Take off LS is approved for that. So this will go in with, with all those tank mixes and, and uh, uh, give you the yield results and return on investment that the growers are looking for today. Oh, I think that's a great call out. You're already going to have to cover those acres, especially on beans, to, to kill weeds there at that point. It's an add-on. Again, $6 an acre, you, you know, in today's commodity prices, if you get any kind of, you get one bushel on corn, one bushel on beans, you more than paid for that. And I think it's a, I think it's a great call out um, on what these guys should be looking at in, uh, in a high price environment. Which go back to our uh, five years of data. We have, we call it our five by five by five. We have five years of research. We are averaging five bushel and we're looking at a cost in that five to $6 range. Yep. So uh, the product is also uh, part of our performance guarantee program. And uh, we don't mind uh, having people check us out. We love that. Uh, check us out, put an untreated portion in the field somewhere and uh, you'll find out what, what the product's doing for you. Awesome. Well, one thing I'd, I'd, uh, I'd lay out for everybody listening here too, take a look in the show notes. Um, we've got a, a nice video that Verdesian's put together on some more detailed analysis around what the product does. We've got some shell, uh, cell sheets on there on, on uh, you know, again, just some rates, uh, overall, again, what the product does. So those will all be in the show notes to find those there. Again, call 515-800-GROW if you want to talk to Dan about any more regarding the product or getting it lined up for applications. So uh, everybody, I appreciate you guys joining us here today and I appreciate the partnership with Rhodesian. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us again on this month's GROW podcast. A special thanks to our guest, Don Van Halen from Van Wall and the team at Verdesian. Please take a look in the show notes where you will find more information on Takeoff LS, including a 10 minute video that goes in depth on the points that we hit on today. If you have further questions regarding anything we talked about today, please call 515-800-GROW and the team will be sure to get you in contact with myself or Dan directly to get those questions answered. Again, thank you for your support of the Landis agronomy business and have a great week.